Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA with training in pastoral care and counseling. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed counselor, a counseling professor, and a person of Christian faith. So as we're getting started, we just want to say that Sacred Intersections Podcast is about respectful discussion and conversation to encourage you to think. We're not trying to make you think like us. We just want to make you think. That is our agenda. Neither one of us speaks on behalf of the Presbyterian Church USA or other organizations which we may be connected to in our professional lives, nor do we speak on behalf of all mental health care professionals and practitioners, people of faith, Jesus followers, white women, Americans, or people who may not always choose to eat leftovers. Are you a leftover person? I mean, I'm not anti-leftover. I do get, like, I'm about one, two meals per... After that, I'm a little, like, moving on. Right? Yeah. 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 So, like, if we if, if there's a whole meal cooked for the whole week, I'm, I'm going through a drive-thru by Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 I feel the same way. Yeah. And it has to be the right kind of leftover, too. Like, there are certain things that are just not worth saving. Yeah. I, I mean, my husband has become very proficient with the air fryer and reheating french fries and things like that. Oh. But... but like I'm a, if it doesn't go in the microwave and French fries don't heat well in the Preach. microwave. French fries do not reheat well in the microwave. <laughs> but they do heat reheat really well in the air fryer if you have someone else who will do it for you. So good. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good note. That's a good note. Yeah, you're learning so much from us, aren't you, Rody? <laughs> we live to serve. <laughs> you never know what nugget you might get from us. So leftovers is a good topic to discuss today. So we're gonna come back and 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 talk a little bit more about other kinds of leftovers. But we also want to say that Sacred Intersections is a podcast that includes discussion and conversation about religion spirituality, mental health, all those ways that all those things intersect. Jill and I were already having these kinds of conversations and decided to record them and share them with you. So we're just glad you're along for the journey, even if you're traveling different roads or driving different vehicles than we're driving. So we just need to tell you that we are excited because we've been sort of batting episodes back and forth and haven't recorded one together in A chunk of time, so it's nice to be together, Paula. It's so nice to be together. I mean, we had good episodes where Andrew filled in, and he was awesome, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that one, and then we had a guest speaker with Carly on the Duggar episode, but yeah, this is... It's, it's weird that it's been so long. I feel like we should be singing, reunited and it feels so good. Sorry, I think at one point in time I promised I would never sing on the podcast, so broken And promise. I think we actually sang that song on a previous episode, too, so maybe we should get a, theme, a new theme song. There we go. Who knows? There we go. So now that we're back together, um, we're doing a lot of thinking and planning, and we wanted to do what we're calling a leftovers episode. Some things that came up in other episodes that we've recorded that um, maybe didn't make the edit into the episode and sort of look back at our season in review. Yeah, because we do want to let our loyal roadies know that we are, this episode is going to be kind of our season finale of season one. And do not fear, there is a season two coming. There is a season two coming. There should be like fancy, like network music or something like yeah. season finale, do 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 do, something like that. Sweeps week or something like that. You should have extra extra special sponsors for right. this week. Right. However, um, no, we are going to take a little bit of a summer break, and we are going to continue to assess what the best way to continue our podcast is. Um, so we're so don't worry. We are going to be back um, towards the end of the summer, and if you follow us on social media, you'll get special announcements about when that's happening. And but make sure you're subscribed so this will show up. The next episode season, the next season will show up whenever it does start again. But yeah, we thought we would spend today just kind of looking back at some specific episodes, looking back at just kind of how our podcast has grown and where we want to take it, and some input from all of you. So, uh, so yeah, it's leftovers and season finale all together. All wrapped up in no one. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, in this, um, in these summer weeks, roadies, if you have thoughts about 
episodes you'd love for us to cover in season two or topics, things like that. We'd love to hear from you. There, there will be some, some little nuggets in this episode from feedback we've gotten as well. So um, know that your comments don't go unread or are unanswered, that we're, we're looking forward to interacting with you every chance we get. So, Yeah. And, you know, we've tried a few different formats. Most of the episodes have been just Jill and I together talking. And then we've had some where we brought in a third person. And then we've had some where we've brought in some guest co-host. And we imagine that will continue. But if you have specific ideas and people that you think would love to be on our podcast, we would love to hear from you and know about that. So um, y'all also need to know if it doesn't come out um, in in our episodes each week that uh, this is something that brings Paula and I both a lot of joy. We were grateful for the opportunity and have had some really beautiful interactions with listeners and roadies who have been impacted and we're grateful for those interactions, but we also might just keep doing it just because we like doing it together. (laughs) Yeah. I think when I think back on season one, you know, if I think about what stands out to me, it, it, is that this this was born in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. This was born in fall of 2020 to start there and I'm I've just been really grateful for it. It has been the brightest spot of the pandemic for me. It has been the one thing that I've had consistent energy around. Yeah. Um and have been excited about doing. So uh so I am just personally really thankful that we've had this this platform to be able to draw more attention to this and just learn things from each other and continue this conversation. Is there anything that stands out to you as you think back on the first season, Jill? Just the ways in which we've been able to to share our conversations. I mean, like we say in our in our intro, we were already having these conversations. And so there are many ways in which when we're going through an editing, it's like, wait, did we have this conversation in the podcast when we were recording? Or was this another conversation we had at another time? Because um, surely it comes out in the pot. Like, we're also really good friends. And so we spend time together when we're not actually recording the podcast. Um, we don't walk around with a microphone all the time. <laughs> Fun as that may sound. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just the, the ways in which I have had folks locally here where we are share with me that I never thought about this particular perspective before or that's just a new way of looking at things I I always my heart smiles when that happens because we love opening I love it when my mind is opened and I'm invited to look at something in a different way and and I love hearing about when others are inspired to that too so that's been really neat I think my favorite um my favorite interactions um, for us were around the episode that we did with Emma. Uh, the racism episode was just a really powerful learning experience for me. And and we've got some really positive feedback. And so we continue to give thanks for, for Emma and for all that she has taught us and continues to teach us. And yes, I... I absolutely agree with that. And Lourdes, if you've not listened to that episode where we interview, that's another ongoing conversation that we're having in the podcast is just discussions about race and racism in the church. And Emma um, just, as you said, helped us think about things. You know, that's a topic I spend a lot of time thinking about, a lot of time teaching. And I will never claim to think I know it all, but I... I just really appreciated how much more that one conversation opened up my eyes to things in a really different way, in a really personal way. And absolutely, some of the emails we got after that episode of people just feeling seen and understood and her able to put words to things in ways that they had not, their own experiences that they'd not been able to name in the way that she named. So yeah, I would agree that out of all... The episodes, which they're all our children, so we love them all. Truth. <laughs> True story. <laughs> that one definitely stands out to me. Yeah. So sort of jumping from that point, I know we mentioned this when we were going into this episode, recording with Emma and talking about racism, but many of our episodes come from a place where you and I, as 
as white women, as Americans, uh, we're speaking from a place of privilege. So there's a question that we tend to wrestle with a fair amount about what that means. What are the implications of two white women speaking from a place of privilege about things? Um, What are the implications of talking about matters that we don't have like personal direct experience with that we're reporting, sort of reporting on almost in a journalistic way. So um, what do you think about that? So, yeah, I think that's a topic, Jill, that, you know, our roadies might say, oh, they're talking about privilege again. Or maybe they're saying, oh, yay, they're talking about privilege again. But I think it's something that's so important for us to continue to own and to continue to to just cultivate our own awareness of it in ourselves individually and in ourselves with this podcast. And we know that, you know, we don't have 10 million listeners to this, sure. but it's still a platform. And right. we take this platform really seriously. Yes. We take this platform very seriously of wanting to, to provide advocacy in a lot of ways, but also wanting to be sure that it's not that, that, Voices that are marginalized are still heard. Yes. And sometimes that's us speaking for those voices, and sometimes that's amplifying those voices and shutting up. Yes. And I don't. And there has to be both, I think. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of the work that I do in my role as a pastor and a preacher is what, what accountability do I have to tell a diversity of stories? And, and how are those stories told in a way that's not tokenizing them? But honoring them and and bringing out a diversity of voices because the congregation where we worship is white is is predominantly white and our community is predominantly white and so finding that balance and that accountability because we do care very passionately about matters of race and and anti racism work which I think is has a theological call to it so the responsibility that we have with this platform whatever size that platform may be, is to to speak truthfully and to consider what voices are being silenced and need to be heard and what voices need to be amplified. And sometimes that means we're the ones telling the stories, and I think other times it means bringing those literal voices on and having voices of people of color and voices of people who have different experiences than ours. Yeah, for sure. And some and I think one of the things we hope to do is to model the importance of these conversations and having them even though they're uncomfortable and having them even though they're difficult and having them with each other with people who look like I look and then having them with people who have been part of an oppressed group that I have been a part of the privileged group around that so you know, and I don't know that we've always gotten those conversations right. Sure. You know, we did a whole episode on cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> and I think every time we step into some of these topics, we're risking saying the wrong thing. Right. And getting canceled ourselves. Exactly. And, you know, one of the important things about that episode, I think, in a lot of ways was that there's a difference between someone being canceled and someone being held accountable to grow and learn. Yes. And so I hope that's what we're doing in these conversations where we're speaking from this place of privilege is that we're we're willing to risk that. Yeah. And if that happens, then I hope that we would be willing to take feedback and grow and learn and continue to model that just because we might get canceled doesn't mean you don't continue to talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That we, we take... The risks that we take, we put thought into and are calculated, and we op- operate with an air of trust in each other and in our roadies. Like, we, we're asking you to hold us accountable. And hopefully that accountability comes with kindness and empathy, and I feel like I have to remind that. And I'm not, I don't want that to be a reflection on the roadies. Like, nobody sent us nasty <laughs> emails or anything like that. I just... Always want to remind people that we can hold one another accountable kindly because that's not something that's modeled a lot to us in the world. And, you know, these topics, we are talking about religion. We are talking about mental health. These are difficult topics, but these are topics people are passionate about. These are deeply personal, intimate topics. And so 
I expect that our roadies are having reactions. I, we know some of the people are having reactions sure. as they hear us talk. And so that's why we always say, you know, we don't want to make you think like us. We just want to make you think. And if we say something that you vehemently disagree with, I hope that helps you examine that and come to a deeper comfort in your level of belief with that. Yeah. You know, and we have gotten some feedback that, we should talk about some stuff we disagree about sure. sometimes. Yes. Because we are quite similar yes. in many of our beliefs. <laughs> some of that might come up today, roadies, as we revisit some of these episodes. But I think that's also important to be able to, to, to yes, talk about the way the things that we're passionate about together, but to be able to talk about things that we are passionate about maybe in different ways. Yeah. And that we can still be friends. Yes. <laughs> we can still, I can still go to your church. Right. Those kind of things. Definitely. So, so yeah, so that sounds like a good place to maybe jump into those episodes where we weren't together. So what was it like to do an episode with your husband? Um, so I loved it. There was a too much of a pause there that I'm sure he will have a comment <laughs> on. <laughs> it was really fun to do an episode with Andrew. It was it was very fun to see him jump in. Uh you had taken such wonderful care of your friend and your pastor who was super stressed out during Holy Week. And I know I've already done a shout out, but can I send yet another shout out to your brother who is also a pastor for helping record during Holy Week? That was a thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Um, And thank you, Andrew. Yes. Because it sounded fun. It sounded like you guys were having, I was a little like, okay, Andrew, you know that on my favorite people list, Andrew is like... (laughs) Way up near the top, and but I did have a moment of okay, Andrew, don't get too comfortable there, <laughs> because imagine that y'all had great on-air chemistry, we, and y'all were really fun. It was we had a fun time. We actually recorded that while we were taking some time away ourselves, and so it was just really fun to have conversations about it, and um, that that mission story is a big part of our relationship. Um, so it was fun to learn some new things about that relationship and just to to do something together with your partners. It's always fun. I have no doubt that there's going to be an episode with your partner at some point in time, which I'm, pr- I'm, I'm prepping him. I look forward to that. Um, well, y'all were hilarious. When you started out with... I'm Jill, and he goes, and I'm Paula, and then starts <laughs> giggling. Such I thought, a ham. Right, this is going to be fun. Yes. So yeah. I I loved listening to that episode. Andrew, thank you. If you're listening, hopefully you're listening to this one too, Andrew. So big shout out to just thank you, Andrew, for being willing to share that story. I It really touched me to hear just how open and vulnerable he was willing to be in sharing that story. So I I just really appreciate that Andrew was willing to jump in and do that and to share his own experience. And I know it touched some of our roadies for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, there were definitely things that didn't make it into that episode. So here we are doing an episode of Leftovers. So one of the things about that episode that I think didn't make it in was the ways in which I am sure, because I had them myself, there are positive teenage mission trip experiences, that there are positive mountaintop experiences. So the youth of our congregation and of many Presbyterian congregations have a mountaintop experience by going to a conference center in the mountains of North Carolina um, every summer. And every church I've ever served has made that pilgrimage from as far away as Michigan and as close as you know, the same part of North Carolina. And that is a positive mountaintop experience where good news is being shared. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's as much of a conversion experience because most of those youth are church, it's your church youth group going on a trip together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just going to jump in because I know we have an international audience. And when we say mountaintop experience, in case that's not churchy, words you're familiar with, (laughs) even though in my experiences, it actually has been in the mountains, usually at mountain retreat centers. But just if you're not familiar with that term from a more theological perspective, I think what you're talking about is those really intense experiences that are where I, the times I've had them, I just feel very spiritually connected 
to God and just really kind of get fired up in for me in a good way and and then you kind of come out of maybe those week-long youth weeks and you can't sustain that you can't you yes. got we always talk about coming down from the mountain but um anyway continue yeah yes thank you every once in a while we need a church language translator <laughs> <laughs> but yes that that the idea of a mountaintop experience being when you climb a mountain you get to the top and you look at it and, and go <gasps> This is so, look at these vistas, look at the gorgeous, and just the, the power of having journeyed somewhere and having a really positive experience. And, and so I know that those are out there, and I know that those are really compelling parts of people's faith journeys. Yeah. And that, that didn't make it into the episode. You know, that episode was really interesting for me to hear as a listener, because you had done some episodes by yourself. You know, we'd done some of our mini episodes with you by yourself and me by myself. That was the first time that I had sat back and listened with you with someone else. And so my experience, I, I wanted to share with the roadies because I don't know. I, I just thought it was, obviously, I think all my experiences are interesting. But I don't know if some other roadies may have had similar experiences. So I, what I noticed coming up for me as I listened to y'all was that it was really similar to my experiences as a counselor before I went back and got my PhD and did my research on religious abuse. It was part of what drove me to have an interest in that. And it was those experiences as a counselor where I would hear people talk about really negative experiences with religion. And I would notice in myself this desire to defend religion or to defend God or to say, not every church is like that and not every pastor is like that and Jesus isn't like that. And as a counselor, having to recognize that's not my role in that moment yeah, and to recognize their experience is completely valid and that's how they experienced someone's interpretation of God and someone's interpretation of Jesus. And so recognizing that, yes, it might be true that there are some really positive mission trip experiences that yes. we know people have that I hope our youth at our church have had, right. that I've had personally. And those experiences that Andrew described are also really valid. Sure. And that he describes some really abusive things that should not have happened. Right. Um, so that was, I, I, I hear myself doing that actually in our podcast quite a bit, reeling us in sometimes and, <laughs> and trying to balance, you know, we focus a lot on theological harm and, and religious harm while also carrying the name of Christ ourselves. Yes. And so, and that's part of our calling, I think, in this podcast is to to not to not deny that that other narrative is out there, but to add to the narrative. Yes. So that was, I noticed that and I had to kind of sit with, this is Andrew's experience. And it's not on Andrew to, to have to say, but some people go and have amazing youth weeks. Right. And stay on fire. And yeah. it's not on Andrew to say, and there's some really ethical organizations out there right sure <laughs> do things like this yeah um and that i don't think evangelism in and of itself is inherently bad like talking about jesus to other people i don't exactly think that's bad. i totally agree and andrew's definition uh, andrew's experience though of carrying the weight of someone's salvation that was that the way he described it i i was in tears over that for yeah. sure so that's that twisting i think right. that we talk about and so that's one thing I just would want to throw out there to our roadies is that if you have if you've listened to that episode that I found myself wanting to like oh this narrative is true but I also wanted to go but not everyone's like that yeah and that's that's such a good metaphor for how we go about our own faith journeys is that we're exposing ourselves to different stories and so there there are a myriad and a diversity of stories that that we want to expose ourselves to and and some of those are positive stories and some of those are negative stories there are going to be times when we're reading scripture when we come across a passage that we don't understand and the gift that i was given in my theological education and part of what i dedicate my life to is sowing a healthy curiosity in people that feel like they can say, I don't like this passage of scripture. I don't understand this passage of scripture. I need help 
working with this passage of scripture. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not like a particular passage of scripture, that there isn't this be all end all one way. So just like there isn't the teen mania's way of doing mission work is not the be all end all only way of doing things. Although I'm taking a risk here. I don't speak for Andrew in saying this, but the impression I get is that that's what they were trying to say. Our way of doing missions mm. is the only way of doing missions. Mm. You have mm. to do it. It's very militaristic. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there's another podcast episode at some point in there about sort of the war- spiritual warfare militaristic understanding of it has to be this way. You can't disagree because that the fingers of that particular perspective bleed into so many areas that rigid experience of jesus yes when we've talked about on the podcast before how you know if you're someone who's ever taken the myers-briggs or you're someone who's ever taken the enneagram how jesus shows up in all of those categories and that you know if you are someone who likes your church service to be more emotionally driven and to really experience the holy spirit in that way jesus Jesus can come to you in that way. And if you're someone like my husband, who is much more cognitive and wants to hear the more rational, logical Jesus that makes more sense, then Jesus is that Jesus too. Yes. And that if you're one of those, that doesn't discount the experience of the other. Yes. And so that rigidity, that saying, that, that's the abusive piece of that. Yes. That saying Jesus lives here and only here, and Jesus does not live where you were trying to take right. Jesus. Right. Yeah, you know the way to my heart, bringing up the Enneagram. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and I also think this the idea of, of evangelism is held in tension with the power of a conversion story. There, there are, are sects of the Christian faith and denom- particular denominations that place a lot of weight on a very powerful conversion story. And those are really powerful stories. That's that that emotional tug that goes on. Mm-hmm. And I struggle often delineating between the power of telling the good news, of, of evangelism in the truest literal sense of the word, of sharing the good news, versus I'm going to go convert all of the souls, which doesn't have respect for the, in my mind, the culture and the narrative and the stories and sort of takes away the idea of God meets us where we are. Mm-hmm. God meets us where we are when we have questions and when we have doubts. And that God loves all of us even when we're struggling to believe portions of God's story. Yeah. Well, even the word conversion, you know, that is for people who really take that, I'm going to go out and convert people to Christ. You know, you hear that term a lot. Even in that I feel like there should always be an examination of am I converting people to Christ or am I converting people to my own experience of Christ and my way of like I'm bringing who I am into your space versus bringing, recognizing that Jesus is already in your space and how can you get to know Jesus in this space? And, and that's the part that I feel like y'all were saying in that and that, I always think it's good to reiterate again that I don't think y'all were saying it's bad to talk about Jesus. It's bad to try to introduce people to Jesus. Right. I hope that's not what you heard. I don't think that that wasn't my intention. I didn't think that. that was your intention. And I I don't know what people heard, so I didn't sure care for that. But I <laughs> but I think, yeah, but as we talk it through, I think it's good to be clear that yeah. that too was and that, you know, there are lots of different ways to do that that don't have to be that colonialism aspect sure. to it. Yes. That, you know, I mean, I heard Andrew kind of ridiculing the the skits and that kind of thing a little bit. And I, and I get it. I totally get it. And I go, in some ways, that's a way to communicate. You know, that's a way to communicate in a, when you can't speak the language. And that can be done in a really respectful way. And that can be done in a really disrespectful way too. Yes. So, yeah. so, and, even if you're doing it in a respectful way, we might not always get it right. Sure. So it, I, for me, it's just always about what's my agenda and is it my agenda. Yeah. And trying to constantly seek and let go of that. Yeah. 
I think humility in missions is really important as well to do exactly what you just said, to be, to bring that humility that I might not always get it right, that, that I'm not seeking to offend you, but not this militaristic, my way, you need to know my Jesus the way I know Jesus. You need to respond to this way that I have, you need to pray these words as they're written. Uh, Like, like what? What kind of a box are we trying to put God in if your salvation only works if you say the words that are written on the card? You know, like that just, that's problematic to me. Well, and it, when we, you know, when Andrew described having the pressure of conversion of, and I, I just want to say, Andrew, I feel a little weird discussing this with you without in the room. So I trust that. Andrew will come back on and we can sure. let him respond to yes. some of the things if we need to. I just am feeling a little weird trying to interpret Andrew's words. But when he described that pressure in that way, what I was thinking too was just how that is such a lack of trust in what God can do and what Jesus can do and taking that power in in and of ourselves, yeah. which is exactly the opposite of trusting in God and Jesus. It's not about what I can do. If God chooses to use me in some way to bring healing about people or to associate his name with ser- the name of Jesus or the name of God with service and love and eternal life, like that's, that is one of my values around that, then I'm good with that. But that's not about, that's an honor for me. That's sure. not something I did. Yeah. So, so I think that that, yeah, that is, it is so easy to get caught up in any power that, I mean, because there's so much power that comes with that. Yes. And we talk about the misuse of power and religious harm over and over and over again. Yes. So it can show up in just those little small ways. So as Christians, I think it's a constant relinquishing of power. Yes. So that's, that's Christian Paula talking, not mental. And, but mental health Paula is also, there's a lot of power that comes with being a therapist that you can twist and manipulate things. Sure. And so, that's something I'm constantly working with supervisees on is that it's a constant relinquishing of power of not your agenda in those sessions, but your client's agenda. Yeah. I think the other thing that um, didn't necessarily make it into that particular episode was I was very intentional about choosing the word teenage to go with that. We are talking about young people whose hippocampuses are not fully formed yet. Like that's the part of your brain that, like, what is it, 25 when your brain is fully formed to that point? So That's the general thinking, yeah. As, and, and, and so there is a particular power that is involved with people who do have a fully formed brain, who are, are working with that. These, these are young people. They're still figuring things out. Like, there's, in, in general, I'm, I'm stereotyping perhaps a little bit, but in general... Teenagers are still learning, are still growing, maybe living at home, being cared for by another adult, whether that be a parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle or caregiver. And so there's a particular power in an adult saying to a young person, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And that's, that power is there, whether we want it or not. So those adults need to be constantly examining how they're using that power. Yeah. And what they, and just to take that seriously and to recognize the impact that what you say to a five-year-old makes a difference. You can't say something to a five-year-old the same way you can say to a 15-year-old, same way you could say to a 10-year-old. Right. So, you know, developmental, understanding developmental stages are really, really important when you're working with different developmental stages. And, you know, there's lots of faith development models out there and that talk about, first, we have a really concrete understanding of God. And just as time goes on, how that might become a little more abstract. I also think a lot of those models are kind of biased towards anyone who remains in a religious system. But I also... um, think that it's that that's really important if you're choosing to work with young people to really have an understanding developmentally of how like where we need to provide answers and I say answers in quotation marks because I I I believe in always giving people choice on the level they can handle 
you know, a one-year-old can't make a choice about what to wear. Yeah. So it's silly to think about, do you want to wear your green outfit? Or, I don't, maybe a one-year-old can't, but a one-month-old can't. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> I I see, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, as they become five years old, they probably can make more of a choice of right. what, they, and you can give them choices of what to wear within what is safe. And then when they're 15, they're able to handle different choices. Yeah. So just understanding what people are capable of at different levels. Yeah. Which I don't want to jump away if you're not ready to, but thinking about what what your di- different developmental stages for me sort of ties into a little bit of the Duggar episode that mm-hmm. you did and the egregiousness of the abuse of of Josh Duggar because they, these children don't have the agency to make decisions for themselves and yeah. the ways in which those developmental stages are important. And how the system failed Josh because when he started the perpetration, his his brain wasn't fully developed. And the adults in his life should have been responsible exactly. for addressing that on the developmental level that he needed addressing. Yeah. Um, and all of this is just... You know, Josh is not my client, but just right. observation of what we know in the media. But yeah, so that was an episode that you weren't able to be with that we brought in Carly, who's a trauma specialist, to kind yeah. of talk about that, and who also is a, a specialist in religious systems of oppression and, and cults. So, yeah, it was fascinating to listen to. I if if we ever have the opportunity, to, would love to have her back on again and get her perspective. Yeah, it was... I think so too. And that one's gotten. I think that's pulled some people in to listen to us who might not, who but who are really interested in the Duggars yeah. and that and that religious system. So, so yeah. Anything else about that episode? But I just it, it uh, having a having another perspective. I think that's similar to to episodes that we've shared with with Dan. Coker with Emma of just having that other perspective was was a yeah. really unique experience of yeah. sitting back and listening to to the trauma. And it's it's just I like those episodes in that they give us a shared person or a shared experience of religious trauma or religious harm that we can talk about that maybe our roadies know about whereas you know I'm not going to come in and talk about my clients or talk right. about those kind of things but those public figures to be able to look at through the lens of religious abuse I think is I think we'll continue to incorporate those in some way when yeah. those come up hopefully I mean it'd be nice if they didn't come up but sadly right. I think they're going to continue to come up yeah well I know in my uh, in my educational experience we did a lot of case studies and and so to me that's a Having a case study doesn't, it's, we're not talking about our church family. We're not talking about your clients or anything. That's a shared information perspective Yeah, that, that gives us a chance to sort of pick apart and analyze. So maybe there's a case study out there that we could use for one of our episodes. Oh, that would be fun. Dig into a case and, study together. And, or if a roadie wants to give us a case study. Yeah. That could be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to maybe think about our season one and maybe do some categories with our yeah. thinking about our season one? Yes. So, yeah. um, so you want to start with some billboards? Well, so interestingly enough, I, maybe this counts as a billboard. I'm not sure. But it, it has been somewhat interesting for us in the process of recording episodes to to like take bets on like what episodes are going to get more traction and how we'll get responses and reactions to things. So, um, in the uh, in the first season, uh, we've gotten feedback on a number of episodes, but our episode on Christian nationalism took off has prompted a number of. Uh, I think if we were a bigger podcast, we'd call them live events. <laughs> Fancy like that. Speaking engagement. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So we got invited to speak to some college students about uh, Christian nationalism. And we've been asked and are planning to speak to an interfaith group about religious nationalism later this month. So, roadies, if you're interested in participating in a live event, send us a message or something and we can get you the information about that 
particular engagement, we're going to be talking to an interfaith council about their experiences and stories around religious nationalism, which, like, I never thought of myself as an expert in that area. I don't know if you did. No, I think, you know, when we think about all the episodes we've done on mental health and all the episodes we've done on specific theologies, that that this one that feels more political is the one that we've been looked to as right. experts a little bit. Particularly because, Brodies, we do spend a fair amount of time going, is this going to be too divisive? Like, we, we, we take into account not wanting to be overtly political, partisan, I should say, in nature. And that one, that was a pretty partisan episode. Well, and it's it's such a ongoing, divisive topic yes. in our country. And yet I feel, I still feel as passionately, I mean, we had to talk about it. Oh, like absolutely. We, we had to talk about it with what was happening in our country at the time we released it in January, February 2021. Yeah. And now here we are in June 2021. And... We're still, I think, seeing fallout, and I still feel as passionately that it's the idea of Christian nationalism being dangerous to our country here yes. in America and being dangerous to us as Christians yes. here in America. So so I understand why people are interested in it, because it is an ongoing billboard. Our billboards, for any new listeners, are current events, pop culture, where we see things we're talking about popping up, and this one is popping up. I just saw where... Um, a group of a hundred scholars. Um, I r- saw this. I follow Heather Cox Richards, Heather Cox Richardson yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, a brilliant historian, and I think I saw it on on her um, post that a hundred scholars of democracy, scholars who study democracy, have officially stated that our democracy is in danger. So I think wow. that is something to to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, However you feel from a partisan perspective to just be, as we say in our tagline, and as I did, as I listened to Jill and Andrew, to to be willing to think, even if you don't agree, just yeah. to be willing to reflect and think on what we're talking about. I think that is that is an eye-opening statistic that these scholars of democracy are, are kind of putting out a little bit of a warning sure. for that. Yeah. What about billboards for you? You know, I as I think... More generally about the season, I think I've just started, I'm excited to see more and more people talking about this concept of religious harm, religious abuse, religious trauma. You know, Carly and I talked about in our episode how I found Carly as we were both scheduled to speak at a whole conference on religious trauma. Yeah. When I started my dissertation. That was not a thing. You know, that was... That was not a thing. That was, it was really hard to find information. It was really hard to find people doing research. And so seeing it and seeing these, you know, being able to talk about Ravi Zacharias and Josh Duggar through the lens of religious trauma. Right. I think that I, I'm not, I don't want to sound excited about it because of course it's horrible, but I think just the unpeeling of it and people having a greater awareness of it and being able to talk about it as people of faith. Right. And again, we say a lot, a system that can't be examined is a very insecure system. Right. So that we as Christians should be the ones calling it out. Yeah. So what is the, what's the thing that like, when you buy a car and you think it's really rare and then all of a sudden you start seeing, isn't there a fun, what's that thing called? <laughs> I don't know the official word for it, but my dad always used to say, yeah, when you want to buy a new car, when you decide you're going to buy a Honda Civic, you can see nothing on the road but Honda Civics. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so there's not necessarily more of them. You're just seeing them. You just see them and more. And I think that's a good question. Are we just seeing this more? That's or my question. is qu- there yeah. really more of it? Is it... I, I, I mean, it's not new. I don't think the phenomenon is new for sure. But it does feel like people talking about it yeah. is more. Right. And maybe I'm just finding the right circles. But sure. But it does feel like it's more. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Particularly in my trust and faith in you, like, as you were doing your dissertation, I feel like you would have found them if they were out yeah. there. And people were talking about it. But again, at that time, there wasn't a lot of real intentional research on it and sure. people grounding it. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the conversations about it, I think we're at a really important point, and I, I'm probably going to say this on the podcast as much as I can, that some of the conversations are 
people of faith like us need to be talking about it because we need to be monitoring ourselves for it and holding ourselves accountable. And then there's also a really strong anti-religious sentiment that's excited to see this because it gives credence to this anti-religious sentiment that yeah. they have. Yeah. And so it's it's talking about it in a way that really puts all religion down and lumps all religion into kind of this abusive system. Yeah. And so so I think that's one of the things that we've we've kind of you can probably hear if you listen to all of our episodes, we've kind of got if you could see me this is one of those times I wish we were visual. <laughs> I'm swaying back Waving. and forth. Mm-hmm. And we've had to hold each other accountable of like, it's easy for us to get caught up in bashing religion or bashing certain religious right. practices. And that we've really tried to to own that when we've done it and kind of pull ourselves back. Um, so the conversations are happening and I think they're not all really productive conversations. Sure. But that's part of the, the growing pains as we take this whole phenomenon more into the world. Yeah. We're able to talk about it more. Yeah. What about, do you have any U-turns? You know, when I think about the podcast specifically, I don't think it's really a U-turn, but I would, that's one thing I hope we continue is when we do feel ourselves going too far in any, maybe pride in our own stuff or, Mm -hmm. um, or just feeling like we got it all figured out that we're, that we continue to make U-turns as we need to and that our roadies can help us on that journey yeah. as well. Continuing um, the culture of accountability. Yeah. Um, Any for you? Yeah. I would say, again, I'm not I'm not sure if the U-turn metaphor holds here, right. or, but, but definitely continuing the culture of accountability and finding ways to hold ourselves accountable to a diversity of stories. Yeah. And and so we're we are telling our stories and and although it might not come through Rodie's Paula's and my stories are diverse. There's differences in our our stories even if we may yeah. come to the same conclusion about many things, but I- introducing a diversity of stories and voices and giving giving a- amplifying and proclaiming a diversity of voices, I think. Yeah. I I do think that feedback about us always agreeing is worthy of examination on our point, both from what we discussed, but also do we need to be intentional about continuing to bring other voices into the podcast? You know, Dan Koch, um, who many of our roadies know and who's a guest on our podcast, I've been on his podcast several times, has a podcast called You Have Permission. And he had a recent episode where he brought someone, Dan, I think, self- self describes himself as falling on the more progressive side of Christianity and he invited someone who identified as a conservative Christian and it was a fascinating conversation it was really incredible for me to listen to and I think they both were so respectful of each other and I learned a lot more you know I we've talked about how I tend not to fall into labels too much and I don't always understand what what makes people decide to align in certain ways I just kind of believe what I believe and sure. figure out where that falls yeah. and who my people are who will let me believe it and tolerate that. But so so I think I would recommend that episode and we'll put that in the show notes for people who are interested in that specific episode. And just to continue to examine, do we need to be more intentional yeah. about that as well? Um, yeah. The respectful part is what, you know, we, we want to balance that with not allowing any harm to occur on our platform exactly yeah Um, that this needs to be a safe place for marginalized communities and so how to have those conversations in ways that continue to make it safe for people yeah in those communities yeah and continuing to we've said this if not on every episode certainly most of them the things we're discussing are complicated and Mm. so there are a variety of perspectives and so not oversimplifying them to say we're telling you the wrong perspective to think and sort of like you, like poo-pooing on, on a religious institution or a particular perspective, but saying this is one perspective and here are some things that we may find problematic about it. And just, you know, making you think, letting you letting you make your own conclusions from there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's such a value of mine as a counselor is that ultimately I'm not responsible for anything you decide to own, feel, do, take on. Yeah. I I think we're 
pretty secure in where we are in most things, and yet we're willing to be open to, do we need to have feedback on some of those things? Right. And so, yeah, generally speaking, would just tell our roadies to continue to whatever lands and works for you, take that. Whatever doesn't, leave it. Right. (laughs) Or mull it over and decide where you want to put it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to put it in park... You know, I'm really just sitting here filled with gratitude, just full of gratitude for you and that we've been able to to start to build this thing together and to have these conversations in a way that hopefully does bring some healing to the world and that does bring some critical thinking to the world yes. in that way. And I'm just really thankful for our roadies that y'all have supported us and many of you have spread the word and left reviews for us and sent us great feedback and sent us ideas and followed us on social media and um, I just really love this little community that we're that we were building here yeah and I'm excited about season two after a few weeks of summer I agree I agree anything for you putting it in park yeah oh, oh I share I share that the gratitude is mutual I'm I'm tremendously grateful for you I I am someone who loves to learn, and I feel like I learn from you every time we're together, when, even when we're not recording. <laughs> um, and, and, and gratitude for so many other people that have contributed to our stories that have gotten here. Mm-hmm. Not just our guests, but I think about people who've contributed stories to us. I know I've, I've used my friend Julie a number of times of referencing many ways that Julie has taught me things through stories that she's shared. And so it, it, the, the way that I think about God's family is like a web and the way in which we're all intertwined and contribute and feed to one another's stories. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful. This feels like a privilege to me that we, we get to have this platform and share these things and, it's life-giving for me. It's been life-giving in a hard season, a challenging season. Who is who is not having a hard and challenging <laughs> season right now? But I just am grateful for it and grateful and looking forward with, with a new energy towards season two. Yeah. Season two coming up end of summer 2021. So continue to stay tuned with us. Um, and thank you for those words, Jill. I, yes, ditto for everything. So if you do want to keep up with us, we will continue to maybe post some things and share some things from people that we love. So please find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Sacred Intersections Podcast. We're on Twitter at Sacred Pod. Our website is sacredintersectionspodcast.com. You can listen to episodes there. You can also leave comments for episodes there. And there are a number of resources there that have to do with anti-racism working on maybe getting some mental health resources up there as well. You can also email us sacred intersections podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So I don't, I feel like we should have a splashy finale cliffhanger. Take us into season two, but <laughs> also think that's just not our style. So maybe there, there's some music we can put in here or something like that. So thanks, roadies, for hanging out with us through season one and safe travels through your sacred intersections this summer.